0: Welcome, family members and friends, to this service where we lay to rest one very dear to us, Betty Arnell. And as we come to this service, as we come with grief and heavy hearts, we also come to receive and hear words of hope, hope that only God's word can provide. In Philippians 1, 21, the Apostle Paul makes a very bold statement, a statement that this world would find incredible to believe, in fact, could not Believe, And yet, for God's people, this is a statement of hope. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The gospel is full of such words, words that reverse the typical understanding of what would be gaining and losing in this world. You see, to our hearts and how we live, it seems nothing but loss to face the end of life nothing but loss to lay a dear one to rest. Yet we see in it the truth that for a believer, for one who is in Christ's hands, it truly is the best thing that one can receive to leave and depart. That is why Paul says to die is gain. And the only reason he would continue to live would be for the glory of God. And we can say for our dear sister Betty that in her faith she gains and though we may be here to mourn, and in fact do mourn, we acknowledge that hope that for her this is not a loss. It is a loss to us and gain for her. On behalf of the Congregation of Faith URC, on all present here or those who could not make it, we express our deepest sympathies and sorrow to your family, to you, Roland, and all as you have come here to lay your loved one to rest. Let us open in prayer. Eternal Father, you love us with a love vast, a love incomprehensible. Help us to hear your words of eternal life. May they bring comfort to those here who mourn and hurt at Betty's passing. But also let us rejoice in the grand reversal of the gospel that for those who have placed their trust in you, actually there is a gain when this earthly life comes to an end. Lift up those here who experience this pain and suffering and must continue on in the service of the Lord, but let them begin to share in the gain of eternal life in the form of the hope and comfort that your, your word brings to those in darkness and distress. Shine your light and the peace of your presence through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be near here, we pray, in your great name. Amen. At this time, we will hear the reading of scriptures and memories of Betty's life from the family.
1: I'm going to read from Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips." When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me.
2: Every summer growing up, all of us cousins would converge on Culver, Indiana at Grandma and Papa's house there to spend uh, the 4th of July and get together and have fun for (laughs) better and worse. And we were there. It was Grandma's house, so it was Grandma's rules. And as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, Grandma ran a pretty tight ship. But much to her unending consternation, my cousins and I were never really the early-to-bed, early-to-rise types. So most nights, she would have to beg and plead and cajole, or excuse me, uh, cajole us to get to bed on time. And one night, despite those repeated pleas, us boys decided to raid the girls' room and steal their pillows, because that's what makes sense when you're in middle school. So I think it was you, Rachel. I stole your pillow. And just to twist the knife a little bit more, I decided I would throw it with all of my little middle schooler might out of the bedroom uh, doorway. And I threw it as hard as I possibly could, right as Grandma came around the corner to tell us to go to bed one last time. And then time stopped. The earth stopped spinning on its axis. I would made my peace with God, because I knew I was toast. Because I just nailed Grandma directly in the face with a pillow. And we all were absolutely silent. And Grandma stood there for a moment and then started laughing uncontrollably. And she said, (laughs) because she would retell the story every chance that she had, she said that the looks on our faces were too funny to be mad at. (laughs) And that, that was just a little bit of Grandma. Her rules were ironclad, but if there was one excuse to break them, it was for a good laugh. Because at her core, Grandma loved, and she loved us.
3: I will be reading from Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance.
1: So even though there's a lot of us grandkids, grandma always remembered birthdays. Um, and we would each on our birthdays always get a phone call where she's coaching Papa through harmonies to sing happy birthday to us. Um, I still have voicemails on my phone from that. Um, and without fail, she would send a card. Um, every birthday, every you know big life celebration, um, very thoughtfully written, very difficult to read usually, (laughs) but um, when I was, you know, reflecting on Grandma and still thinking about her the past few days, I I pulled out a bunch of those cards, and there's always a Bible verse or two um, that she would add, so um, I'm going to read one that was actually in a few cards, Um, so I think it was one that was close to her heart, Um, so this is 1 Corinthians 13, 3 to 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease; where there are tongues, they will be stilled; where there is knowledge, that it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a, ch- a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love.
4: Um, for the purposes of clarity for the story, Betty was Oma to me and my siblings, so uh, when I was seven, uh, one of my earliest memories of Oma was when I was seven, and she came up to Europe to take care of me and my siblings for a few weeks, and uh, at that time I was, for some inexplicable reason, a Boy Scout for about a year, and we had one of those uh, boxcar derbies where you race these little uh, wooden cars down a ramp, and uh, she helped me prepare for that. I was supremely confident in my abilities to win this race. Um, But uh, the kind of confidence you only get when you're in a bubble operating by yourself. And uh, basically, I worked so incredibly hard uh, and was so ready to just absolutely kill it at this race. But uh, back in the early 90s, at the age of seven, without the Internet, you're only as good as your dad when it comes to these... (laughs) Uh, races, and uh, I I came in dead last. (laughs) and I was absolutely crushed at that point. Um, Absolutely crushed. And I managed to hold it together until I got to the parking lot, and Oma, it was her responsibility, I guess, at that point, to really console me. And I was literally bawling my eyes out. And for some reason, that was the one memory she had of me that stuck with it. Maybe it's more of a reflection of myself than anything else, but she, to her final days, um, I had the privilege of literally spending last, her last week with her, with Opa, and some of my other family members in Culver, uh, just last week. Um, and every time I would see her in the preceding 30 plus years, she would bring up that memory. Um, and in uh, and o- and Oma, uh, you know, while I'm not crying now, uh, I certainly did before flying back here. Um, you will be missed.
5: Hi everyone, my name is Marshall. I am Grandma Betty's grandson. I know many of you. Nice to see so many faces here to celebrate her life today. Um, My grandma was very special to me. Uh, She she instilled a lot of my passion and love for music and the arts and entertaining and singing at church growing up, Um, singing at the Messiah, some of you might remember. And she was always my number one, number two, aside from mom, of course, cheerleader. And while well, all the cousins at the Cousins Camp in Culver were telling me to hush, she told me to keep going. And to their dismay, <laughs> um, that kind of pushed me to study music and um, really understand, um, yeah, music and singing. And um, I will forever be grateful to you, Grandma. Um, Doing that for me because the music will live on forever in my heart, even though she's not here. Um, I'm going to sing The Holy City, which uh, was one of her favorite songs. We sang around the piano often as well at the holidays, birthdays, any event, and any excuse to get around the piano to sing, we would. Um, so I'm going to sing this uh, for grandma.
6: Last night I lay asleeping. there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, Methought the voice of angels from heaven in answering. Methought the voice of angels from heaven. Gates and sing or s in the heart. Then methought my dream was changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery, the morn was cold and chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, as the shadow of a cross arose beside the tideless sea. The light of God was on its streets. The gates were open wide, and all That would not pass away.
7: The American author and abolitionist Harriet Beecher Stowe once warned, the bitterest tears shed over graves are for words left unsaid and deeds left undone. There are many words I could say about my mother, but the ones following are those I think should not be left unsaid. Betty Ray Arnell, my mother, was born not far from here in South Holland, Illinois, a place most of you know quite well. She was raised on a farm in what was then largely an agricultural community of people descending from Dutch immigrants. They were a deeply religious people, they were people of faith. <clears throat> that was her community, and it was there that she received her education and it was there that she got her values. And she carried these values with her to her last day and she never forgot where she came from. Growing up, my mother was an extremely attractive woman. According to Ike de Graff, he told me my mother and her sister Doris were the two best-looking women in South Holland when he grew up. He said they were the catch of South Holland. And Dad, Ike also told me that he could never understand how an outsider like you beat out all those Dutch boys and got my mom's attention. I can tell you that because Ike's now passed on. My mother had a great appreciation and love of music, She was a talented pianist, an alto vocalist. As a young woman growing up in South Holland, she sang duets with her father, my grandfather, Gilbert Van Dray. And they sang together in churches and at weddings and at funerals. She was a founding member of the Calvary Quartet that sang in many churches in the area for many years. Roger Treemstra included a clipping in his recent book that noted that my mother sang at Roger and Jerry's wedding and she later sang at the Iliana Community Chorale directed under David Bursma in the 80s and she continued to sing in the Iliana Oratorial Society's Messiah performance every year well into her later years only stopping just a few years before the pandemic. And despite her South of Chicago rural upbringing, she made great efforts to introduce all of her children to music, exposing us to high cultural events. I remember she would take us to things like like bringing us to a Van Cliburn piano concert, or to hear the Vienna Choir Boys sing, or taking us to performances uh, downtown Chicago of the Nutcracker Ballet. Sadly, none of these had any effect on my musical tastes, and I later bought an electric guitar and played heavy metal, and I still play in an 80s hit metal cover band. Nevertheless, my mother passed down her talent and love of music to her extended family, which includes several gifted singers, pianists, guitarists, and a drummer, and some of them are performing for you today and have performed. My mother obtained a teaching certificate at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she taught grade school at Lansing Christian School as a single woman and during the early years of her marriage. She loved teaching, and we have heard stories from her former students about how much they enjoyed her teaching. In fact, only last week, a former student of hers, Marlene Van Proyen, who is actually sitting with us today, told my sister that she loved having my mother as a teacher, and she recalled that during her recesses, mom used to play hymns on the school piano in the hallway. And Marlene loved listening in the hallway to this little mini concert. But my mother's life wasn't always an easy one, and she endured many hardships. She lived through the dark days of the Depression, She helped her father on his farm, getting up early in the mornings to work in the fields, pulling asparagus out of the ground, all all before going off to school in the morning. But the worst for her was burying her sister, my Aunt Doris, who tragically passed away at the young age of 34, leaving behind her husband and her three young daughters, Lisa, Ann, and Julia, Anne spoke a few minutes ago. I can tell you that Doris's death deeply and profoundly affected her. We cannot forget the pain of her loss. I don't know this for sure, but I think she thought about Doris regularly, maybe every single day. But if there's one thing I can say about my mother, is that she was born of an iron will. But her heart was devoted to God, and she was fiercely loyal to her family. My mother was a faithful and committed wife to my father throughout their marriage of 72 years. She raised me and my two sisters, and she did much of it in trying circumstances, often having to make do with little, especially when my father was starting his business. To save money, she sewed a lot. She made a lot of her clothes and my sister's clothes. She would sew Easter dresses for my sisters and for my cousins, Lisa, Anna, and Julia, so that they would all have a new Easter dress to wear to church on Easter morning. And my sister Mary remembers well how my mom taught her how to sew and she made beautiful dresses for her junior-senior banquets at Ileana. And Mom was always there for us and for all of our family in her own special way. And she had a heart of tenderness and was always willing and ready to sacrifice and care for her family. Following the death of my Aunt Doris, my mother looked after Doris's daughters, Lisa, Ann, and Julia, who are with us all today. And she did this for many years, each summer, bringing them to live with us during the school holidays, summer months, and in including them in our family life. Later in her life, she took daily care of her mother, my grandmother, Jenny Vandere, who outlived her husband by many years. She lived to the amazing age of 107. Day in and day out, morning and evening, she physically went to my grandmother's house and made her meals and put her to bed. I remember my mother telling me, my mother always took care of me when I was unable to care for myself, and now it's my turn to do the same for her. I guess when she said that, she, like all of us, could not have imagined my grandmother was going to live to 107 My mother loved her grandchildren, and she created many beautiful memories for my children and all of my nieces and nephews every summer at their lake house in Culver, Indiana. This became known, as you heard today, Cousins Camp, which created close bonds among her grandchildren that are lasting to this very day. My mother died a quiet death at an advanced age that few people attain. The stroke she suffered literally occurred only a few days after Catherine and I and all of my children spent nine wonderful and happy days with both of my parents on Lake Kentucky, which was a place that they both loved and where they kept their summer house for over 40 years and which none of us would know about if it wasn't for my parents. When my mother passed on, she was surrounded by her family and the people she loved, and she passed on very peacefully. My sorrow is not because her life was cut short. It wasn't. Few people live to such an advanced age. It's more the feeling of a loss of someone who was always there, and the feeling of the permanence of that loss. This reminds me of an old poem entitled At End. It's written by the American poet Louise Chandler Moulton. The poem suggests that if our love stays alive, nothing truly dies. And it goes like this. At end of love, at end of life, at end of hope, at end of strife, at end of all we cling to so, the sun is setting, must we go? At dawn of love, at dawn of life, at dawn of peace that follows strife, at dawn of all we long for so, the sun is rising, let us go. My mother is gone now, but she lives on in our love and in our hearts. My mother lived her life in her own way. And she lived her life very much on her own terms. And my mother passed on in her own way. And she passed away on her own terms. And now, she's in God's hands. God bless you, Mom. Rest in peace.
5: To do an old-fashioned hymn sing, as uh, Betty loved so much. Um, we're going to start with uh, in your in your the insert in your program. Uh, it's going to start with "How Great Thou Art," um, and then we're going to kind of go to each song. Uh, I see a few Calvary members from back in the day, so. I know she loved that. So if everyone maybe wants to stand up, if you can, that would be okay. Uh, if you want to stay seating, that's no problem. Um, but we're going to sing through these three. It's going to start with How Great Thou Art, then go to It Is Well With My Soul, and then we'll end with Crown Him With Many Crowns. And I'd love to hear everyone because she loved this. So don't, don't be afraid to sing out. crowns.
0: Before reading the text for the meditation, I have my own memory to share of a typical Sunday morning for myself and the joy that I would have to always see rather early, generally speaking, Roland and Betty making their way down the aisle to stake their claim in their pew, as they always did at that particular place. And as well, the joyful memory I would have after the service, I'd be shaking hands in the back. And waiting to receive them, and Betty would always make some sort of comment about how she was getting there. It may be slow, but she'd get there, and I always would say, yes, you have. You've made it. Little did I know that something that I experienced on some Sunday and a regular occurrence would also be true of her eternal life. That she was making it, she was on her way, and yes, indeed, in faith, would make it home. This church was very special to Betty and Roland and they to us. The family communicated this to me in their remarks, how much they valued coming here, how much Betty and Roland did, how much they appreciated as well the way that this church has had received them and the peace of mind that that gave the family. I don't say that to pat either the church on their backs or even really Betty either. Rather, to point to the truth of what is the faith, to point to the truth of what is what matters in life itself, what is the bond that unites all of us, God's people, to Him, because that's really what was special about any church. That was really what was special and valued by Betty and us to them. With that communion and fellowship that they shared with us of our love for them, the family asked me to provide a meditation on 1 Corinthians 12:12 12, 12 through20, which is a passage that describes the body of Christ, as the illustration shows of a true body. First Corinthians 12:12 12, 12 and following. "For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. That's where that text ends, describing the way that God's people are one body. Later in that chapter, it would say how when one member suffers, so do we all suffer together. And and by implication, then, when one member grieves, we would all grieve together. And that's where you see how well such a text fits to this moment and to this service. We can truly rejoice with one of our members, dearly departed, and in that we do rejoice. What, what better thing could we wish for one of our members, one so connected to us, than that she would be in eternal bliss? And yet we also have members who grieve, and thus we all grieve with them. See, what this text is really getting at is the depth of the relationship that a believer has with Christ and with his people. And that's the, the only relationship that really matters, This is the way in which we are to live. What does matter, we can ask ourselves, and in the face of of death itself, we ask what really matters to life. We take stock of that eternal question, what was the purpose, what was the point of it all? You can be part of many things on this earth. We heard of many of the things that Betty was a part of. We have these ourselves. You can have common interests or hobbies You can be part of associations and groups. In these ways, we have loose connections and loose bonds, but we also can say, would any of these things truly have mattered if the fundamentals weren't in place? Would any of those bonds, I could say it this way, connect and endure past the grave? And the answer is no. There's no bond. On this earth that we could form with one another or something else that will endure beyond the grave except one. And that's the one made with Christ. And if made with Christ, made with his people. That's what really matters in anyone's life. And we rejoice in the faith of Betty that this is where she placed and confessed her faith in Jesus Christ and so could enjoy the blessings of his people What is the the blessings? Did she take great joy in being a wife, a mother, a grandmother? Certainly, when I would visit her, I would hear all wonderful stories about all of her kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and she would update me and show me pictures. Obviously, this meant a lot to her, and rightfully so. But again, I would say all of that would be nothing but a source of grief for us now, we're not what God's Word says. We're not for the hope that we have. That's the richness of Christ's body. That's the richness of what a confession of faith and what Betty was a part of. Now, all these things do matter. Now it matters to be a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. There's something of lasting value there. And so when we come to a service commemorating what is, to everyone else, the worst thing that one can face in life, we don't come broken and we don't come wailing, even though we come in grief and sorrow. There's an underlying message of hope, and that hope is not the long life she lived. What an empty hope for those who don't have Christ. What an empty, empty hope that would be that she had a long life or for merely it to come to an end. But her hope, our hope, is something so much greater than that that it wasn't into her 90s and then it. It continues continues for all time that is the message of the gospel god's word answers the question of what does life matter apart from this gospel hope we heard earlier earlier a passage from ecclesiastes ecclesiastes goes through that question to ask is life of any meaning And this author of Ecclesiastes asks, Is work what matters? No, he says it is vain. Is making money what matters? No, he says it is vain. Even is family what matters? No, it is as well vain if it is not lived for God. But see then, see the the flip of the message of Ecclesiastes then is this. If all else is, is vain, lived apart from God, all else is gain, lived for God. The Bible is clear of our hope in death. It does not lie in how good we are on this earth, even what we read from First Corinthians 12. It's not our good works that can keep us apart of that bond, that union with each other or with Christ. We don't stay in, if we can muster up enough of what we've done, we stay in on a confession, a confession that Betty made, a confession that we are we would do well to make as well, That as we approach the end, as we approach our end, we would come with this one confession. I come to God through Jesus and through him alone. Nothing else I bring, save to his cross I cling. It's those words that make us confident enough to utter a rather bold statement as well. We began the service with a bold statement that death for a believer is gain. Here's another in God's word, one that we can dare to utter even as we have the dear body of our loved one in our midst. Even when we feel the sting of death, we can say this, where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It's, it's a bit of a, an arrogant response. I don't mean that in a bad way, actually. I almost mean that in a good way. It's a response to death with a chin raised high to acknowledge a hurt, to acknowledge a sting, but to say as well, where is it? In Christ, we succeed. As we think of Betty's life, we should think about her only hope and ours as well, and it is in that hope that we'll see us see her again, but even more to see the Savior again. That is the purpose of any of our lives. Earlier, Mary had read from Psalm 63. I want to read just the first four verses of that again as it describes what life before God is and desiring Him. O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Well, for those who make that confession... For our dear loved one here, that thirsting, that that desiring for God, you know, is, is being satisfied in a way we could never know or understand. And that is the hope. That's where we direct our attention to, even with souring hearts, there's that thread of joy in a confession that transcends death. I leave us with that hope that Betty confessed until the end, and what a joy we can have to remember her life in that truth. Let's bow in prayer. Lord God, we listen to your word and we rejoice even now in a time of sadness. We pray always and we thank you in all circumstances, even in the pain of death. We seek to bring you this glory and ask that it would be pleasant in your eyes. We ask that you would place your blessing on the family, and we pray that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them, that you would lift your countenance upon them and give them peace. Amen. This time we will not only hear but participate in the hymn Jerusalem the Golden which is in your handout. The first two verses will be sung by Jessica Contreras and we will all stand and join her on verse 3. Oh. Immediately following the service, there is a lunch provided in that direction into the Fellowship Hall, and after the service, we will all remain seated for a closing piece of music played by Bill DeYoung on the organ, and after that, Tim Smits will come and dismiss us. Let us close in prayer. God of all grace, you sent your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring life and immortality into the world. We give you thanks that by his death he destroyed the grip of death and that by his resurrection he opened the kingdom of God to all believers. Make us confident that because he lives, we shall also live. Deepen our conviction that neither death or life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate us from your love. Immerse us now in that love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord who lives with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.